Welcome to the Comgen Podcast. Uh, uh, today, this is your host, Shouty, and today we're going to be discussing more um, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. This time we're going to talk about um, the copy abilities and how they're applied to the levels. Basically how mechanics are applied to different parts of the game. So, to start off, we're going to use Sword the sword copy ability as an example of all the other copy abilities because I think it's the most versatile ability. It's a really jack-of-all-trades type. So I think just um, focusing on sword is a way to get a wide breadth of um, what other copy abilities can do, but in one. Oh yeah, before we... Um, b- before this podcast, um, uh, we had everyone um, play... Uh, certain things in the game with sword ability. Uh, we um, played through the first level of the fifth area. Um, we played through the first boss, the, the boss of the first world. And then we did uh, a couple of treasure roads. Uh, the, the sword one in the third world, and the trial in the fifth world, which involved well, one of the evolutions of the sword ability. So I guess we can start off with the boss level uh, of the first world. I'll ask um, hmm, Adrian, in the boss, which moves did you use of swords, and when did you use them against Goromondo, the first world boss? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for so Goromondo is fairly... I would say fairly slow. Um... But yeah, basically try to getting up my uh, the charge spin move whenever I could, and if, when I didn't, I would just use the uh, the jumping uh, the jumping slash since that allows you to dodge and attack at the same time. Yeah, did you like try to time your uh, jumping and dodging with the um? Yeah. With his attacks. Yeah, particularly the the stomps that he does. Um, Another is just the fact that because his arms are so big, but they're all they also hang in the air. Uh, I would also, as I approach him, I would also do the jumping uh, spin slash. All right, uh, Golem. Same question for Goromondo. Normally for Goromondo, I just hammer on him with the um, normal three hit combo with any sword. Um, and Corimondo is a simple enough boss that you can get away with that. Um, he, he does very little damage and he, uh, goes down pretty quickly. But something I found preparing for this podcast, just experimenting with the different moves, is that the Meta Knight Sword in particular is a charge move that works really well for cutting up Corimondo's legs when you walk under him. Um, that it lasts quite a long time and Kirby still moves pretty speedily during the spin. Um, so that was interesting. It actually took him out really quickly. Uh, and I just never used that move because, uh, I don't like charge moves. I don't like the, uh, commitment on them when I can just hammer the button and get out of attack really quickly. Um, so that was something I learned about the Meta Knight Sword when I fought Gormando for this podcast. Oh, cool. Hmm. 
Yeah, the charge move can be pretty difficult to pull off, even though Guarmondo is slow. He would allow for the charge moves, just with his movements. But, um, yeah, it's just more fun to hammer with the attack button. Or what just you, jump and slash. What do you mean when you say you can get away with using the three-hit combo? Like, hmm? is an easy enough boss that if you just stand in front of him and press the attack button, he's not going to kill you. Like, you don't have to dodge anything. So you mean you just spam the attack button and it's safe to do that? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that I don't I don't actually think that works, but um, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the weird thing about Gorimondo, or kind of like the gimmick of Gorimondo, is that you fight him from underneath of him, like he's this really giant gorilla thing that's like fifty times as wide as Kirby, and he's got huge arms, but he's got tiny little legs, like in tiny feet. So he has this really small on the ground hitbox. Um, and that makes fighting him with most of the copy abilities, especially the copy abilities that you see in the first world, uh, based around like getting underneath of him. Um, whereas like, um, with some of the like longer range ones or the larger attack ones, you don't really need to worry about that. And if you're fighting him with the traditional, inhaling stars and spitting them out, you don't need to get under him either. So, like, Sword... Um, I think that the level itself has a special objective of fighting him with Sword, and I think that that's the reason why. Because uh, if you're fighting him with stars or you're fighting him with Bomb, which is another... Um, I think Bomb and Cutter might be the other two copy abilities they offer you before the fight, or it's Bomb and something else. Um, so sword is the one that get requires you to get under his feet. And so, uh, like fighting him there for one thing, you can't really see what he's doing with his arms. Uh, but that doesn't super matter because he can't really hit you with his arm attacks when you're under there. So, uh, the timing of fighting him is mostly based around when okay well actually has two phases but in the first phase of the fight the timing of fighting him is mostly based around when he does his stomp attack um and the stomp attack has a real long tell where gorimondo lifts up his leg um and then stomps down and not only will that hurt you if you're under the foot, but that will also, uh, that generates a, sh a shockwave or a radial wave that emanates from where his foot lands. So you pretty much need to be able to evade or jump to get away from that. Um, I think you're blocking maybe is safe in some way. Uh, you can't just block everything because blocking does. Uh, Kirby does take chip damage while blocking, so you can try sitting there and, and blocking through everything, but I have done that with a, a few of the bosses just as a test, and they will eventually kill you that way. Um, you can't just fall back on that for everything. So, uh, point being, you need to be able to jump or evade uh, when that foot comes down. And so if you're doing, what I find is that if you're doing the, um, when I do the charge spin, Kirby stays in place and, um, does that, like you've got some prime, 
priming time where you need to prepare the spin, charge it up, and release it. Um, or then the alternate is to do the three-hit slash combo. And the thing about the three-hit slash combo is that that has lots of end lag on it, and it also has three distinct phases of end lag. So uh, being able to predict when you can safely get out of that move is more difficult than the charge spin, which I find, well, for one thing, Kirby can move more freely during the charge spin, so you can use that to, uh, first of all, you can cancel out of the prep for it, uh, if you find that you start charging up and he lifts up his foot to stomp. And then the other thing is, um, if you're already spinning and he lifts up his foot to stomp, you can move away from his legs while spinning. And then when his foot comes down, you will have created a little bit of extra space so that you don't get hit directly by the stomp. And hopefully you have enough time to jump over the shockwave. And like... I'm when I play these bosses in this game, like they're all really slow and take a whole lot of hits or it's slow as in slow paced and take a lot of hits to kill. So I'm always looking for like, how can I get in as much damage as quickly as possible versus like, what is a safe way to play this? Because the safe way to play it is to hit him with one charge spin, then wait until he does a stomp and then hit him with another charge spin. Um, and that just, it feels like it takes forever, um, especially if you're using just like the basic unpowered sword. So, and the thing is, like, if you're replaying Gorimondo a lot, that's probably in the arena, in which case you're not going to be using the basic unpowered sword and you are going to be looking to optimize your timing a lot. So being using the correct move so that you can get in the most damage, but also escape um, that's, uh, interrupt attack he does is actually pretty important um, which I think is where like most of the boss fighting any of the variable techniques of boss fighting are going to come into play because in the main game you play each of these bosses like I guess three times probably like once originally then once in a boss rush and then once you play the phantom version of them or whatever um so it really is, yeah, for Gorimondo, it's really about, like, the spin attack. And then in the second phase of fighting him, um, so in that first phase, he does that stomp. And then in the second phase, uh, he has this, like, whirlwind spin he does, where he sort of uh, uh, curls up his body. And you can sort of see him doing that. And then uh, he turns into a tornado, uh, which I feel like is something a lot of the bosses do. Or at least he's not the only one that does it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them have spin attacks. <laughs> yeah, which is like the game's way of uh, putting you on the defensive, basically. Because you can't... Uh, as far as I know, with the sword, there's no way to attack him while he's doing that. So, optimally, again, in an arena context, you want to kill him before he has a chance to do that. Which you can do if you have probably the Morpho Knight Sword. You can definitely do it with a powered-up normal sword or Meta Knight Sword. I'm not sure about Gigant Sword, because I don't use that one that much. Um, but uh, you want to try to kill him before he does that attack at all. But if he does do that attack, you can't... There's no way to counter it with the sword. So at that point, it's just... When you see him priming that, you need to run away. Um, 
And then that'll put you in a position where you're far away from Gorimondo and you need to approach again, which is something that you won't have to do um, otherwise. And uh, when that happens, when I'm coming back towards him is when I'll use the jumping spin slash. And I don't even know that that's really that helpful to do that. It just feels necessary or it just feels rewarding to get in a hit when you're approaching him but i don't think the actual damage or time spent doing that is probably worth it it's you're probably just better off sliding back under his legs and that's another thing that you can use to approach is uh the sliding stab that the sword move does um that can do a little bit of damage when you're approaching him yeah especially when he moves away uh for his second phase um, lets you jump around the field a lot, so using this, uh, the sword stab and then jumping will get you quickly over there. Yeah, and that's uh, the, uh, the sword slide. That the sliding is the fastest way to move as well. So yeah, uh, if you cancel it with the jumps, right? And then I never tried using like the follow up move that the Meta Knight sword does. Uh, you know when you slide and then you hit jump again, Kirby does like an uppercut with the sword. Mm-hmm. And if you have Meta Knight sword equipped, I think if you press attack again, after he does that uppercut, he does like a flurry, an attack flurry. Yeah. Uh, and I never bothered trying that on Gorimondo, uh, but maybe it would be effective. It, it is. Uh, Gorimondo... Actually, it's surprisingly useful on a lot of bosses. Uh, you can even do it on Elphalin. Okay. Yeah, see, I didn't end up using the Meta Knight Sword a lot because I felt like the base sword... Uh, well, the base sword actually, uh, its main attack combo is a little bit faster than the Meta Knight Swords is. Um, and so I... In the post game, when you can add damage to any of the weapons, I just added a bunch of damage to the base sword and ended up using that for boss runs and stuff. Did any of us try dodging his uh, arm attacks? Encountering uh, them? You can dodge his arm attacks, um, and you do get that that uh, counter attack for it, but uh, I. I go back and I go on and off. Sometimes I'll, if I feel like it, I'll just do the regular dodge for the arm attack. But other times you can you can still just jump right over it. Yeah, jumping seems more intuitive than dodging the arm attack. Mm-hmm. And even then, the arm attack he only does if you're actually far enough to use it. Once you're under his legs, he's not doing that move again, unless you deliberately yeah. space yourself back out enough. I feel like it's more useful to dodge that when you're doing a um, an abilityless run of Gorimondo because of those uh, that little extra time you have to suck in the stars. Yeah, and especially uh, you can use the uh, mobility of the dodge to get yourself to to suck in multiple at once for the super shot. Oh, all right. So let's talk about the level that we played. The level that we played was. Um, five one. It's the first level of the the desert world. It's called Original and, Wasteland. Well, yeah, that's the name of the the world. Um, let's see what the name of the the oh, level itself is called. It's the wastes where all life the wastes where all life began. 
That's what the stage is called? Oh. Okay, then. Yeah. So, it's... It's kind of like... It starts out pretty open. There's, like, a lot of things to do in the first area. Uh, before... Uh, entering through, like, a... Like, a winding corridor of sorts. But, yeah, there's, like... All these objectives you can do in basically any order. It kind of reminds me of the level in Super Mario 3D World where it's like a sprawl, it's called the Sprawling Savannah, and you can like just go around doing stuff in this wide open space. Except that in that game you have a time limit. So in Kirby, you're free to do things at your own uh, at your own pace. So. Yeah, there's like a bunch of objectives to do. There's a mini boss. There's fans to turn on with the, with the, um, the wind, the, the the ring mouthful mode, the wind from the ring mouthful mode, and um, there are some targets you can shoot as well if you got ranger. And after that, there's just a, a winding corridor to go through, with a bunch of falling pillars. And that's basically the whole level. So we use we all exclusively use sword to get through that level though. So, um, so how did that? Inf what did we all do to get to that level with only sword? Um, Golem, what did you do? Honestly, not much. I mean, I was thinking about um, last time we were talking. Uh, yourself described how some of the level design is meandering, and there's not much pressure to. Um, get close to enemies. So uh, that opening area really showcases that um, in that I had to go out of my way to find enemies to fight. Um, even in the second half of the level where it's a little tighter, you can really easily float by everything. So I had to make a point of like, okay, I know Floralina's in this level, so I'm going to see what fighting her with sword is like. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I guess uh, in short, I would say it was an interesting. So how is fighting Florina? That was cool because um, I, I usually don't take sword. Um, and I don't ever recall having to fight Floralina with a power like that. But um, with her... Uh, the range on the sword is wide enough that you can do quite a few dodges and get the um, bullet time, do the counter move uh, pretty easily, even while she's spinning. And you really only have to worry about that one super big tornado uh, that goes through your block. Yeah. Um, Florina, I think, is a, is a better example of using counters, the, the counter-attack on, than someone like Goramondo. Because she's just basically a moving hitbox, and it's easy to move out of the way of her and then get a counter-move. Um, uh, Adrian, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah. Did you, um... Mm -hmm. How did using Sword inform how you explored through the the level itself, especially the wide open area. So, for this level, it actually was different. But that's because when I went through this level the first time, you know, trying to get all the challenges, I was actually doing it mostly using the ranger power that you can get. 
Um, none of the enemies in that area actually have the sword ability. So, you know, when you come in with an ability that wasn't originally in the level, you're all, you're all facing most of the enemies close up that I was originally fighting from range. Uh, it also draws attention to some of the jumbo size enemies, particularly the snake, because it's a... Uh, it's not one of your smaller enemies that you can kill in like one sword slash, even at the most, even at the the lowest sword power level. You, uh, the small enemies die in one sword slash. Uh, that jumbo snake enemy, like you actually have to use your moves on him and give him a good wailing before he before he dies. Same with the use on the scarfies. Uh, for whatever reason, in my experience, sword using a sword onto Scarfy was not that common. So, you know, hey, that was different because uh, Scarfies are also one of the tougher enemies where if you hit him with a sword, he's going to like fly back a bit and then go into his like uh, gross monster looking form. So just the little details of the enemies like that. Now, obviously, kind of like Golem said, um, you are able to just run. The enemies are mostly optional in this game, so you can't just run past a lot of them if you don't want to find them. But uh, I like... <laughs> For this, I was I was just uh, fighting every enemy that I was coming across. Oh, same yeah. for those big sand uh, sand mouth. I forget what they're called. Oh yeah, the pactos. Yeah, they're another one of those uh, like jumbo size enemies. Now, because of the direction of their attack and that you can stand behind them, it's very easy to cheese them too. Um. Yeah, there's just another example of um the your jumbo-sized enemies that take more than just one hit to, to die. Yeah, the snake uh, called the Snackers, that's an elongated S sound, uh, they are, they, I think they can be pretty tricky uh, up close because of their their eating attack. So, they might not be worth fighting at all if you can just, if you can help it with the sword. They are better dealt with, with something like a ranger ability. The Snackers in particular is a noteworthy enemy just because he was the one that was constantly <laughs> messing up my time runs with the DDD hammer in the treasure road. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I have a particular eye on them just because, like, you you can't hit them out of that grapple. If they hit, if that grapple box, if their grab box overlaps you, even if you're in the middle of hitting them, they're gonna get you. So yeah, that. Can't cheese him. Mm -hmm. How is the gigant sword with Snacker? Like, I never tried that. I have never done that either. I would assume the question. shield would not uh, be effective. No, but it's the sword itself has a wider range, right? Yeah, so I'm sure you can probably outspace him, but generally if, if he's trying to if he lunges at you, you're generally in the way. He doesn't lunge at you and completely miss because he spaces himself poorly. So for using the gigant sword on the snackers, um, the best thing to do is use the charge attack because you can kill them in one hit with that. Uh, but the downside to having gigant sword when you encounter those is that you don't have the evade move with the gigant sword. And... Um, as you're saying, that uh, grabbing bite, uh, that goes straight through Kirby's defense. So if you get in range of that enemy and you don't have a charge attack ready to go to kill it, you're pretty much just going to get grabbed. Like, there's no way out of it at that point. Yeah. 
Uh, Gigant Sword's interesting in that it's the only one besides Ice where you have a, a perfect guard, effectively. I was thinking that maybe the spikes could deter the snake from grabbing you. Yeah, you would hope, even if, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. I know, it, even though it doesn't look like it should, you actually can use the Gigant Sword to block Gorimondo's stops, stomps, even if they're like directly on your head. And he'll also still take damage from it. Mm. It's like stepping on a Lego. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> the worst Lego piece. Yourself, did you have anything to add to how you used Sword in the level? Uh, yeah, so... I would agree with uh, what Adrian was saying about, like, Sword is definitely an odd way to take this level because of the fact that there um, are no sword pickups. And I think that, in general, stages in this game are themed around maybe two or three powers, or they sort of... There are definitely sections where they encourage you to take um, a particular power, so in this stage, you see uh, Ranger is certainly the one that's emphasized the most because their objectives based around ain't Ranger, uh, but Tornado is uh, present through Florina, and uh, there are also Sir Kibble. There's one Sir Kibble at the beginning. I think that's it. So I wouldn't really say Cutter is emphasized by this stage, but there are a few hotheads placed throughout the stage. Um, so I think that like tornado ranger and fire are what this stage is sort of built around being played with. And those are, those are definitely all pretty different, uh, ability sets from what sword has. Uh, so because of that, uh, sword definitely feels a little bit more challenging to play this stage with, especially if you want to interact with those enemies. And again, same note about the snackers and the, uh, pactos or whatever being like the, uh, most noticeable or the, the enemies most likely to slow you down if you're using sword, because those guys take a bunch of hits and are just more dangerous in general. Uh, the uh, Sir Kibbles and Hotheads are pretty easy to uh, just like you wait for them to attack, move out of the way, and attack them. I did make an effort to fight all the enemies on the path, although they are, uh, those guys are also very easy to avoid. Uh, and I did cut across the path of the stage a lot. I didn't do any of the side areas or anything while I was playing through with Sword. Yeah, so yourself mentioned uh, that offhand, like the most levels are themed around um, one or two power ups or abilities, and I wanted to mention in finding a good uh, like uh, in finding a good uh, what, control level, I guess I would say, like a level that would help us reflect on any arbitrary ability. Um, I had trouble finding one that really fit the bill. Um, and, and it took me up till world five to really, uh, decide to use a level. Um, because, uh, like it was hard finding one where it wasn't like, Oh, this is going to be pointless. Cause it really only works with this one power. Yeah. 
because of the open nature, I think any ability could be used in this uh, level. Like, it's kind of like a playground for any mechanics that, that the game throws at you, even if uh, the game doesn't, even if the level doesn't give you a sword, and it might not even be designed around sword, it's still an open area. So it has a bunch of things to do with sword. And yeah, you, you were the one who suggested this level, Golem. You're the one who suggested uh, all the stuff that we'd use sword on for this podcast. <laughs> I just said that's on record. <laughs> it's my fault. Uh, so then I also played it with all the variations of sword. Uh, and there wasn't really any big differences except what I mentioned about uh, Gigant Sword not having an evade and being like a little bit more difficult in general to use. Um, the Morpho Knight Sword and the Meta Knight Sword both have that sword beam that makes everything really easy. So um, you can use that for a lot of stuff. I didn't really bother to because it just is a little bit makes everything the same. You don't have to... Like, honestly, this was... Using sword on this level was one of the few times I ever noticed the behaviors of enemies, like, versus just, um, here's a thing to hit, like, here's a static thing to hit as you walk by. Mm-hmm. I guess that's partially that has to do with which powers I used playing through the game the first time. Like, I definitely prefer, like, Tornado and um, Drill... Like the and needle, the ones that sort of steamroll everything. So when you play with sword, you do have to pay a little bit more attention to what the enemies are doing than if you're using tornado. Um, and this isn't super relevant to the copy ability, but I did take notes on how many jumps you needed to do to make it through this stage. And basically, you only need to jump. Um, Shoot. Where did I write it? it? Basically, you only need to jump, like, about twice to make it through this stage. But if you use Gigant Sword, then that uh, increases to, like, eight times. Because there are lots of things that you can evade through that you would need to jump if you don't have an evade. And the same goes for Morpho Knight Sword, because that has a weird... Uh, dematerialization evade, where, like, Kirby floats around... Um, I don't really like that evade. It kind of lasts a long time and it's hard to use when you can't see Kirby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but he doesn't get any height from it. So you can't use that to, uh, cross gaps the way that you can use the, or I mean, you can't use it to, uh, move up steps. You can use it to cross gaps. That dodge with Morpho Knight, um, Am I right that it allows you to pass through things that you can't with normal dodges? Well, you can pass through enemies, but you can pass through those with normal dodges, I think. Yeah, I, I think there's some else. attacks that like hit you out of a normal dodge. I don't know. I don't really use the evade at all. Okay. Uh, Alright, I think we can move on now to the treasure road section of this questions. So, the Treasure Road of World 3 for Sword is like an obstacle course where you have to cut ropes uh, to get through each section of the of the level. Right, it's called Rope Cutting yeah. Quiz. 
Yeah, and eventually gets to a point where you have to choose the right rope to get through. Otherwise, it'll get slowed down significantly. And along the way, uh, you collect these pieces of a star um, to activate a portal at the at the end that will cut down on the amount of time you uh, you need to get to the end of the level. And it's because it plate what it does it it places the portal in front of a wind tunnel that uh, will prevent Kirby from moving quickly through it to get to the goal. So yeah, what did everyone use for this um? It's Treasure Road, uh, yourself? Uh, well, actually, a, a weird thing about the the whole wind tunnel setup is that you don't actually need to... The, the Treasure Road is kind of set up to imply that you need all the pieces of the star to get to the end, but you don't because you can move fast enough through the wind tunnel that you can still get to the ending. Uh, right. Uh, I meant to say that like it's going to be really difficult to get the target time yeah. uh, without getting all the pieces. Yeah, I don't think you can do the time trial without it, but you can definitely still get to the end if you don't get all the pieces. Right. Um, so, this, I mean, this is just a very strict... Or not very strict, but this is what is. A, but a very, like, classic type of puzzle setup. And this feels like a... A pretty classic Kirby puzzle too, because cutting ropes with sword has, has been around for a long time. Um, I don't, you guys would know better which one that showed up in first, but I'm guessing it's in Adventure or at least in Superstar. Yeah, I can't remember either. Can't remember no. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am pretty sure it's in Superstar. I, I mean, it's definitely in Return to Dreamland, but I doubt that's yeah. the first place it yeah. shows up. I can't decide whether or not it was Superstar or Adventure, but anyway. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's not an adventure. But it's it's cool, because it's like a like a throwback to something you've seen. And so, like, I don't think that, like, how you use sword really relates to the way that you move through this, because as the title implies, it's just a quiz. Like, uh, true or false, basically. You have a, a binary selection at, at each... Um, level or layer that you move down through this um, stage. So, like, the first setup just demonstrates to you that you can drop a platform. Then the second one gives you a choice between two, and it doesn't matter which of the two you choose. And then I think the third one gives you a choice between two, but you do have to choose the correct one, or you'll miss the star piece. And then... Uh, the last one is just like 10 ropes that you have to cut. And I guess that one's sort of an invitation to use the spin attack. Um, but it doesn't really matter. I, I didn't try to like optimize my times or anything uh, to like uh, select moves based on which ones would be the fastest. Did anyone else try to optimize moves? Uh, yeah, I, but I didn't use the spin attack. The time that it would take for to, for you to charge and then cut through multiple, I found was slower than just going in and cutting each one uh, individually. And in the section where you have like a gang of the blades, um, I just did the jumping slash land right in between them so I knock out the one in front behind and then keep moving on and the other two can, you know, uh, mourn the loss of their comrades. Yeah. 
I picked this treasure road because um, I was looking for some kind of treasure road that speaks to what makes sword unique. Um, and I had a hard time doing that. Uh, <laughs> and I, and maybe that just speaks to like how vanilla's sword is in general, that there's like very little, um, variation that a treasure road can draw out. Well, I mean, the part where you cut out the ropes, that, that is an aiming challenge, um, that you don't get, um, with the other with the other powers most of other kirby's other abilities they're all um projectile based with the exception of hammer so the closest analog to this is really the the hammer ones that involve you hitting a peg um, but i think even some of those ones they're like on the on a wall but um yeah you actually need to use a couple different hammer moves to hit the well i think it's just you need to be able to use the jumping hammer move yeah. To hit some of them, whereas with these ropes that you hit with sword, it's like literally any of the sword moves will do it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just uh, running to each of your targets and and c- cutting them. <laughs> I know that seems trivial, but that, that, that it emphasizes like you actually moving and aiming and hit slashing things in 3D space. Right. It's different than, like, it's something that Kirby can't do without the sword ability. Like, wouldn't have any way to interact with something directly next to him like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would try to use the the sliding stab to really optimize your movement and speed. And, and also, like, it might be difficult to aim for the ropes, but I think that if you tried to master that, you could get a really good time on this. Hmm. Yeah, I would think that that probably makes sense. Yeah, that as long as the blade's out, even if it's in a stabbing motion, it'll still cut it. I assume so. I've never tried it. I haven't hmm. tried it either, but uh, that would be interesting to know if that, that did work. Because then you're going to really have to aim, and also aim and not be off by a, a few degrees. Right. I think you would still want to use the slide to move around, even if it was too risky to use it to cut the ropes themselves, or the lengths didn't work out. Because, once again, the slide is still the fastest way to move. Yeah, it's 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 still a, a good short burst of speed. Because that's how, because I was saying, you can finish it without getting all the star pieces, and that's how you do it at the end. In that wind tunnel, you just slide through the wind tunnel. Um, and that moves you faster than the wind can push you back. Oh, even if you try to cancel it with jumping, the jump, uh, you don't get pushed back from the jumps? Um, you don't need to cancel it with jumping to do it. You can just consecutively slide. Okay, then. Uh, I also want to say that the, uh, the Gordos that they had circling the ropes was another neat touch. Because it just added, so that... it added another timer to it, so and I like that managing multiple timers. Yeah, and then if you try to jump um, to avoid the Gordos, then you end up needing to use the jumping sword attack, which doesn't have the wide arc that the standing one does. So they become a little bit. It's a little bit harder to 
like do a jump attack at the ropes than it is to just walk up to one and swing the sword. Yeah, you'd have to. You basically you'd have to be even more precise. Yeah. And you can take that for a self-imposed challenge. Cut all the ropes by doing Kirby's jump slash. Incidentally, I learned from this stage that uh, you can uh, block the uh, cannonballs that the big cannons fire, the big flaming cannonballs, and you can also trigger a special dodge, or the bullet time dodge, by dodging them. Oh, yeah. Because there's a place where if you take the, if you cut the rope, the quote-unquote wrong rope... Uh, you need to cross a bunch of those cannons, and uh, so you can just use the block and dodge to get across them quickly. Interesting. Can we move on to the, the trial? With the uh, Gigant Sword? Uh, the Gigant Sword trial is just an enemy rush. Uh, you have formations of enemies uh, um, kind of, uh, uh, homing in on you. They're usually in groups of uh, three to five to six, and they're all uh, in formations that are meant to like be spread out, but they all home in on you. And uh, you get when you get to the end, the last two things you have to fight are two uh, giant sword mini bosses, and yeah, that's basically it. So, how did everyone deal with these formations? Um, Adrian? Yeah, so... I tried to cut them... The Gigant Sword is more powerful, so I did try to cut them with as few of the uh, strikes as possible. So if you do the regular, you know, button mashing, the gig, I don't use the full combo. I'll just do, like, the one really wide swipe, and that's usually pretty good at um, taking out, like, a row of blades, right? It's, it's only if it's one of the chunkier enemies. I think you still can kill them in one hit enemy anyways, actually. No, but, um, the, uh, the A-Woofies or uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those take two hits. Yeah, they do. Actually, that's another reminder on the, the level we were talking about before in the original Wasteland is they upgraded all the the Woofies are, are common yeah, in that level. Yeah, that's... I'm not sure if that's where they introduced them, but definitely, like, the first thing you see is a bunch of A-Woofies. Yeah. I forgot what their upgraded form is called, but, yeah, the A-Woofies. Oh, in any I case, thought that was. Yeah, the way I go through the the Gigantor trial is, if they, because of the way they kind of, like, gather together and there's a little width on that charge attack, I usually try to set that up first. But because of how the enemies spawn in and run straight at you, there is also ta- not of time for you to charge one up. So once they start coming in the waves, I usually try to land them with the large slashes. One, if I can take them on one, and then two on the woofies. As for how I deal with the, the two gigant blades, what usually happens is one of the gigants is going to shield up at some point. And the one that I shield up is the one that I'll usually go after. And I'll try to use him as a body almost to block the other one so that he's far enough away so that I slash at him while the other one is is still trying to get at me by maneuvering around his friend. Yeah, and uh, sorry, they're called gigant edges. And um, what they do is 
there's actually a very specific behavior thing that they do. Uh, Golem, what is it that uh, the giant edges do? Actually, that I can make them very vulnerable? I think they're called Wild Edge. Oh, yeah, you're right. My, in my notes, <laughs> I got all the names wrong because I didn't try that hard, but yeah. I'm not sure what you mean by specific behavior. Like, I know when they put their shield up, then you hit them from behind, they, like, take extra damage, right? Right. They also go into a stunned state. And that makes them really vulnerable. So, what did you do to take advantage of that, uh, Golem? Yeah, if I remember right, the one of them begins in that state, so... I'll just move to that one whale on it, and by the time it's dead, the other one is pretty good to hit. Um, So that's one where I didn't think too hard about what to do. With that trial, um, most of my effort is spent on trying to aim the charge attack correctly on the um, enemy squads that come in. Wait, how, how much of it are you trying to use the charge attacks? Just on the uh, popcorn. Okay, because I mean, I don't know, the regular sword swipes in this one are pretty powerful. <laughs> oh, for some reason I thought the sword swipe wasn't enough to kill those. But anyway, I use the charge because um, if you stand like in a central location and use the overhead swing, when it slams the ground, it has a wide enough radius that it will hit... Um, I think the stage one charge can hit three and the stage two charge can hit five. Like, I I do think the stage two charge is wider. Yeah, yourself, did you try using the charge move at any point in the trial? So that my instinct was to use that charge attack and that's how I did it initially. But then when I was trying to actually repeatedly play through and get better times, I realized that was actually wasting a lot of time. Um, and so the better way to do it is, uh, well, I really like this trial. This is actually, um, like a really well-designed Kirby combat trial because it is all based on variations of enemies in formation, which are all, um, shaped around like how the attack pattern, uh, of, the copy ability works. So like the arcs are exactly the right size to hit with the slash of the gigant sword and the uh, enemies that they choose are each like a slightly different variation on um, what you have to attack uh, or when you have to attack basically. So like they start you with blade knights because most of the enemies in this game just run at you basically. And so it is not, that easy to get variation out of them so having them all positioned and spawned in on timers here is really how this functions in a meaningful way versus like you can't just drop if you dropped all the enemies in at once it would just totally collapse and it would be button mashing nonsense um so like they start you with the blade knights which you can kill with one slash and then the next thing they hit you with are those Maybe they're called Wolfies, like the stronger version of the Wolfies. Or the uh, Wolfies. Oh, actually, they're called Primal Wolfies. Okay. Couldn't even call them Wild Wolfies. I mean, yeah. I have a hard time with these names. Um, So those ones will take two hits. 
And the thing about HP with these enemies that will really throw you off is that the enemies will... We talked about this in our last podcast, but the enemies will continue to take hits even after they're dead. Uh, So you can overkill them quite a bit. And in this challenge is a place where that actually not only is confusing, but it will hurt you in the time Mm -hmm. trial overkilling these because the enemies don't count as dead until they vanish. And so if you hold them in a combo with the sword, you're basically keeping them alive and the next wave won't spawn. Uh, So you need to actually have memorized how much HP each enemy has. Otherwise you're going to waste attacks. Um, And if you, because if you haven't memorized it and then you only use one sword slash on an enemy that has two HP, well, then you have to wait through the cooldown time. You probably messed up the formation. Like you've messed yourself up at that point. So you need to know which attack to use against which enemy. So for those uh, Awoofies or the Primal Awoofies, you want to use either the two slash chain, which is like the safest way to do it, or you can use the charge. Um, actually, it really, I don't think either one is that much safer, but I do think the two slash is a little bit faster. Um, so then the, um, next up is the bunnies or the hoppies or the rabbit tours or something like that. They might be called hoppitors. Um, (laughs) so those ones, uh, jump. And the thing about them is that. When they're in the air, uh, the normal sword slash will go under them. So you need to wait for them to land on the ground to, and those only have one HP as well. So you only have to hit them once. So you need to wait both till they're in range and on the ground to slash at them, which means that you'll actually have to wait a little bit longer than you do with the enemies that approach directly on the ground. Um, but if you use the charge slash, those are the ones where it's probably the better to use the charge slash. Uh, but the thing about using that is that those ones usually come in concatenated waves where there's like a wave spawns and does not wait for the previous wave to be cleared before the next wave spawns. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're trying to use the charge attack on those, you're actually going to fall behind on the subsequent uh, parts of that stages of that wave. So you do just want to use the slash. Um, and then the last enemy type you have to deal with is the mummy guys, gazos, or uh, again, I don't know the name. And I, t- the mummies. I freaking tried to unlock all the, um, gotcha figurines so that I could look at these names and I wasn't able to do that. I was about 30,000 coins short of being able to buy all the gotchas. Um, so the mummies are cool. Like this can kind of slip by you cause there's only one wave of them. Um, and it can kind of slip by you if you're just playing this challenge quickly, but they work like booze in super Mario. So they only approach Kirby if he's facing away from them. And so the way that they're set up is that in one of those concatenated waves, there's a, formation of blade knights spawn to the south of kirby and then a formation of mummies spawn to the north of him and so if you attack the blade knights first then usually that will give the mummies enough time to approach into range for a slashing attack 
But if once you're like optimizing this and you're quick about killing the blade knights, if you really immediately turn around and try to slash at the mummies, they're going to be too far away. So you actually have to face south like a little bit longer and sort of wait for them to tighten up the formation uh, and then turn north and slash them all at once. So it's all really finely tuned and it feels good to execute once you have an idea, even though it's at its core really just like face north, south, east, or west, and then hit slash yeah. either once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's so simple, but that's the that's the elegance of it. And that's one of those things that's just like surprise, surprise, that's actually that right there of just like, oh, aiming the stick in particular directions to hit things and hit multiple things a space appropriately in an arc like that, not as common as you would think. Um, and I guess I just to use for a little bit of references, like you won't find a section like that in um, East Origins. Now you can say that it is doing different things with the combat, but that's one of the reasons why uh, I appreciate uh, the way they set up, especially the treasure roads and forgotten land where specifically devoted combat encounters like these um, are not in the the main levels where of, of just spawning in you know seven waves of enemies like that well yeah you won't even really see this in a 2d zelda game i mean this is definitely closer to the kind of combat that a 2d zelda game has but this like sequencing of uh these puzzle like setups is something that I think that these treasure roads are like defining a unique identity for the game in this type of setup. That is like an action. It's based on an action system, but it uh, is the challenge is decomposing like these elements into a very simple set of inputs, like to resolve it before it can become chaotic. Like, you are preempting what can become a very chaotic scenario. Yeah. And this is very much what you see in Blowout Blast of trying to suck up just the right enemy to shoot into another group of enemies that all line up in just the way so that they all get knocked out in one attack. Um, but this in melee form of, oh, here's five of those uh, boo-looking enemies all coming together and you wait for them to get in just close enough that they all fit within a gigant with one single strike. Right. And I guess Kirby Dream Course is also in the same neighborhood of this, but uh, Dream Course definitely has, like, it's still, like, the idea is that you have a system that can become very chaotic and you're trying to, like solve it in the most elegant way possible but then in the case of dream course it's all turn based so like it doesn't progress on its own without you prompting it so it actually that allows the challenges to be a lot more complicated in dream course and actually <laughs> sort of makes it pretty difficult to wrap your head around yeah whereas this it's like you pretty immediately know when you did something wrong like, you're trying to clear all these waves immediately. If you didn't clear a wave by the time the next wave is on top of you, then you know where you screwed up. 
<laughs> yeah, if there's already uh, another enemy getting too close at your back and you're not getting the next hit to knock them away ready, uh, you know you're, you're you're going too slow. And that's where I think it was one of these specifically the hammer one that was the first to actually make me realize the overkilling or at least bring it to my attention more of just like, "Oh, I really need to stop overkilling the enemies." So it's just like one one button, one strike, one kill for each of you bastards. <laughs> Except for the ones that need two or three. Yeah. Right. And that is something that forces you... Because through playing this Treasure Road, I got to know these enemies better than any other enemies I had to interact with in the game. Because I, <laughs> I actually needed to... How many hit points they had and stuff. Um, yeah. And the exact it, behaviors. It was this way for me for well actually for most of the um your your combat based treasure roads. This one, uh the DDD hammer one was also another one where I got this and that one actually throws in the snake bastards too. Um yourself was talking about how um the treasure roads like the combat treasure roads pressure you to get the most out of the Kirby's abilities. Um, and we talked about trying to line up enemies so that they fit within a certain arc of the gigant sword. And um, it really uh, brought to light for me, like, uh, in the course of normal gameplay, how easy it is to take for granted, like, uh, the size of Kirby's swing. And having to practice something like this for the time trial... Um, it reminds me a bit of like a fighting game trial where like you repeat an action over and over trying to get like that perfect input um, and gave me a much better sense of how I can potentially space Kirby and play uh, more efficiently that like Catching enemies on the tip of Kirby's sword might not do more damage, but it can be more efficient in other senses. And I guess really what I'm uh, circling around is that there is a, is a level of nuance to the combat here that uh, I would have ignored had it not been for Treasure Roads. Yeah, and this one, um, actually the time trial, I guess, is part of what puts pressure on this one is because, like, the... So, like, we're talking about, like, optimizing the first half of it, but then when you're fighting the wild edges, like, fighting too many bosses at once is pretty uh, tough to optimize. Like, that is a, a system that becomes pretty chaotic pretty quickly. And so, like... The first few times I ran this, I was like, man, this is such a pain in the ass during this time trial, because it all does, because you get that first part, what feels like perfect, and then, or I wanted to get that first part as perfect as possible so that I would have as much time left as possible so that I could fight the wild edges, because I knew I wouldn't be able to perfect them quite as well. Yeah, this is the one where, um, again, having to learn the enemy's moves more closely to where if I saw it, and I think almost always the first one of the gigant is going to gigant. Yeah, gigant. So it, the first move is scripted. Like the, the top left one always does the, 
slash at first, and the top right one always does the uh, shield, shield at first. Yeah, that's yeah. always the same. Okay. Then, yeah, it's it's pretty much just, uh, yeah, reacting to them. So they're, they will randomly select whatever move they do, obviously depending on where your position and I, the one thing I definitely don't want them to do is the one where they, like, run across to poke you and then run across to the other side of the arena. That's the one I really don't want them to do. Yeah, that charging attack is a pain. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, getting them into that daze state so that you can do more damage, because that's another, like, nuance that you don't necessarily pick up on when you're not trying to optimize for time is that when they're in the day state, they take a lot more damage from your hits. And I'm not sure about the wild edges, but there are definitely enemies that have states where they take less damage from your hits. And I'm not even sure that might be context sensitive on like how much health. I feel like the game prorates your damage. Um, I don't know if you guys know prorating from fighting games, but. <clears throat> Prorating is when you have a combo that's going really long or just like a combo of attacks uh, that is keeping the other player from countering. And uh, what some games will do uh, and what's referred to as prorating the damage is the longer the combo goes on for, the less damage each individual attack does. So it's sort of like a logarithmic function where it levels out, like it goes up a lot at the beginning of the combo, but then it really levels out so that dragging on your combo actually is not doing anything eventually. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm not sure, but it feels like this game does that, or at least it, after you've done enough damage, they seem to go into a state where they don't take much damage anymore. Okay, there is definitely a state when you trigger their second phase where they... they uh they're temporarily buffed and take dramatically less damage. Okay. <clears throat> and without damage numbers, that's kind of hard to see because these life bars do a pretty good job of communicating how much damage you're doing. But <laughs> the friggin' the, um, it, well, it's yellow in this game, but again, in Street Fighter, what would be called the red damage uh, area where, um, the life bar shows how much damage you've recently done and it slowly drains away. It makes it really hard to read how much damage each individual attack is doing because that yellow bar stays around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's also, I think, uh, Adrian, when I was watching you play, you're playing like the first wild edge in the game and or you were watching, I don't know, somehow somebody was fighting the very first wild edge in the game and um, it took different amounts of damage from single stars at different points in the fight. Oh, shit, you're right. I do remember that, yeah. Less, like Kind of like it had super armor or something. Yeah, yeah. Or that's not even really super armor because super armor you wouldn't take damage, so it's more like subtractive armor, kind of like Yoshi's double jump. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if I don't. It's weird to ask for damage numbers, but like for optimizing this game, like if you were really doing speed runs and stuff like that, 
feel like you would want to see... There's some vague, pretty vague communication about how much damage you're doing to bosses, and given the range of Kirby's copy abilities and the range of different attacks they can do... Uh, well, I think from Kirby and the Forgotten Lands perspective, maybe it's like, it doesn't matter how much damage you're doing. You just gotta hit him as much as possible. But <clears throat> it is hard to, like, maximize your output. You know, uh, Kirby's Adventure is the game that pioneers the whole same attack does different amounts of damage thing, and that one has health pips, so you can tell how much damage you're doing. Yeah. So these guys probably have HP numbers that are like 10,000 or something, because they're really a lot of gradations of how much damage an attack can do. Yeah. Yeah, and Kirby damage values aren't exact. Like, even when they do show, like, there are some games that will tell you how much damage each ability does, because there's like one boss that displays the damage number, but otherwise it's not exactly clear. I guess one remaining comment while we wrap this section up is uh, I still prefer it that way over the boss just becoming straight up invincible while they do their little roar. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Like, yeah, there's still reason to get in as much damage as possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alright, so... Now that we've discussed the sword ability in great length, I'd like to talk about how doing these uh, levels which I would call an experiment and how it made us feel like Golem, how did using only sword inform your gameplay for the level? Um well I mean uh, eating and copying is something that Kirby does a whole lot of so cutting that out of my repertoire or I guess choosing to play with only sword meant cutting that out of my repertoire. Um, so when I see a, when I have sword and I see pretty much anything else, I want to switch off of sword. Uh, <laughs> so that's how it informed mm-hmm. my gameplay. Did anyone else feel the same way? No. <laughs> no. That, that you always want to switch off a of sword. You mean? Yeah. I, well, I, my answer is like kind of more complicated because. Yeah, I want to hear it. Uh, see, this is something that's specific to Kirby and the Forgotten Land is the thing. So in other Kirby games, um, I think that they are they they have more copy abilities. You see copy abilities less frequently, or you like I talked about last time how um, sometimes. Some of the games have, like, your rare copy abilities. And even in general, like, you may go multiple stages without seeing a particular copy ability. So if you told me that I had to play a stage in Kirby's Adventure with the sword power only, that would actually be kind of hard. Because I would have to maintain the sword power for the entire stage. Like, that alone would be almost asking me to play without getting hit... Or um, to, like, be really effective at getting the copy ability back. Like, that phase of getting the, the where the star is bouncing around mm-hmm. and recapturing it. And that is not at all a factor in Forgotten Land. <laughs> like, no. if, 
in Forgotten Land, if you want to keep an ability, you can keep the ability. Like, it's not going to make it hard for you. Um, there are, there are plenty of attacks that will knock you out of the ability immediately, but it does just fall right next to Kirby and you can pick it up again. Um, so you don't have to go through any phase of like refinding it or anything like that. And for me, I, when I played the game the first time, I didn't really switch abilities that often. And in fact, what ended up determining what ability I used for the most part was whatever blueprint I got last. Because there are, um, when you count evolutions, I think there's like 32 powers in the game or something around that number. Now, maybe it's 30 because there's, there are two abilities that have four forms and two abilities that only have two forms. Wait, but then it's 12 total, so it's 36. So I think there's 36 total, like, variations. And there are, um, other than the two blueprints that you get at the very end of the game, that means that there are, uh, I guess like 24 blueprints that show up throughout the game. And there's 30 stages in the main game, uh, excluding the uh, extra world. So like you're almost always getting one blueprint per stage as you move through the game, other than the first two worlds. Like once they introduce blueprints, you're pretty much getting one per stage. And so uh, since I just go for whatever the most novel thing is, or I want to see like whatever the new thing is, anytime I got a blueprint, I would just immediately go take that to the shop. And the game really encourages you to do this too, because Elfie is like, Kirby, what are you fucking doing? We got to go to the shop and upgrade. You have a <laughs> blueprint in your inventory. Like it bugs you after every stage to go back and do that. <laughs> Uh, and whenever you go back to town, you get like three messages about, you gotta go upgrade the blueprint, go upgrade the blueprint. So being as that's how the game seemed like it really wanted to be played, um, that's what I did. And I would just use the new ability for the whole next stage because I would want to flush out like, what are all the variations? Like, what does Gigant Sword do compared to a normal sword? What does Toy Hammer do compared to a regular hammer? And so, like, where the enemies were in the stages never had that big of an effect on what ability I was using. Um, and there were, like, certain instances where that wasn't the case. Like, if there's a water-heavy stage, I would definitely always pick to use the ice ability... And then when there are puzzle setups that, that like the uh, ranger targets in uh, 5-1, like that would get me to use that. But using one ability for a whole stage was pretty much my standard way of playing. So using sword for like just to do this experimental trial was just like, okay, here's a stage that I'm going to play entirely restored this time. And um, it was different because I hadn't played that stage of sword before, but that's representative of how I played the game in general. Mm, yeah, and Adrian, how did you feel? Uh, from so from playing with sword, it's the fact that uh, and a lot of these were brought out in the treasure roads more so, but it's still brought out in the main game of just having to get up close and beat the crap out of your enemies, especially when. The only other one that's kind of like this is the hammer, but 
something I mentioned before is the majority of projectiles of copy abilities are uh, somewhat ranged or they allow you to bulldoze through them kind of like a needle and tornado. So sword is kind of your most like classic beat em up style power. And you didn't feel the need to switch off? No, but that's because I was welcoming the challenge. Oh, okay. Alright. And, um, hmm. Did any of us try to, um, use the the ring mouthful mode? Uh, or did we try to be more purists with our, um, mechanics? I just skipped over that since we were looking at sword, uh, and that is obviously not affected by whether you're using sword. Yeah. I kind of went ahead and used the ring mouth mode just where it's necessary. Like I, would, I would just use it to like unearth all the dust piles and then I'd get rid of it. So I don't think... So the way I think I used it, I just... I used it in a way that wouldn't impact uh, my sword play, I guess. <laughs> It does bring attention to specific sections, like the one where there's three of those um, pack toes that go across the bridge that's just like perfectly lined up for ring mount, uh, but with sword, yeah, yeah you, you can't nail them all like that. And right. on the flip side of that, there's a place where you can, where there are all those falling columns, um, where if you're using the ring mouth, you don't have your defensive abilities, so you need to sort of like uh, trigger those columns and let them fall or run through quickly so they don't fall on you. But something I learned when I played that stage without the mouthful mode is that you can just block those columns when they fall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you don't actually need to move out of the way. Just take it on the chin. <laughs> yeah, you can let them fall on Kirby. <laughs> yeah, and... um. Another question I have is for Gormando. Um, the thing about sword, using sword on Gormando, is that it's considered a challenge run. So when you were using sword, did you feel like you could have just spat out sword and then start using star projectiles instead on Gormando, or did you think using sword was safer? Uh, well, for me, for boss fights, actually, that is one place where sword was definitely a a preferable ability like sword and hammer tended to be um, my go-tos for boss battles or, or for the the main boss battles because those are based around like uh, windows of opportunity for attacking and so um, like that was what I wanted sword felt to me like the natural way that I would want to fight Goromondo versus like there's a lot of running around you have to do to try and inhale stars, and you're on much tighter timers. Mm -hmm. hmm. I felt the opposite, where a lot of Gorimondo's attacks, I didn't like dealing with um, with the in close range. Um, for instance, the tornado. Um, I don't think you can block, and even the foot from above just. I don't know what it was about the stomping, but I just had a harder time following it than most of the attacks in the game. So, Gorimondo in specific is a boss where I like to not use any powers, um, and I 
really feel the benefit of how much more damage a single star does as opposed to a single sword strike. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with uh, Golem, just to the point that when uh, I first started this game, I thought the challenge runner would actually be to not use any abilities against Scoramondo, but it turns out it was with Sword, and and I can see and I could see why after I was able to easily defeat Goramondo uh, within a tight amount of time and without taking damage while using Sword on Goramondo with um without taking damage is a bit more challenging. Alright. Yeah, generally the or at least in terms of DPS, I think you can get more via sword and our copy abilities like sword and hammer compared to something like uh, I don't know the the base bomb ability. Ah, oh. uh, yeah, bomb. Well, I mean, bomb has issues, but like it's definitely <laughs> sword is a more aggressive way to play. But for me, because Kirby has such a huge health bar, like like Chatty was saying, like doing it without getting hit, um, using the sword definitely feels like a pretty dangerous way to play. Because uh, you're you're pushing yourself up against all those attacks, but when you're talking about like just surviving or playing as fast as possible, then Sword feels big time superior because Kirby can absorb like 15 hits before he dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gorimondo doesn't have any range attacks too, so that's that's also uh, comforting. It's one of the reasons why Bomb is such a strong counter to him, because you can just you know keep throwing bombs that he will walk into and blow up on himself while you run away. Oh, interesting. Also, he does have a projectile attack. He'll uh, throw boulders at you. He took the boulder. <laughs> yeah. I. I forget if I've mentioned if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I've definitely mentioned it in passing. Um, that um, the other half of the coin of sword being more aggressive is that the uh, second blow is more discreet. Like you can't blow out at Gorimondo without a star. So. Um, the presence of a star signifies your ability to attack. And so it's a like a very clear prompt. Now you can attack Gorimondo and whereas with sword it's like, can I really eke out, you know, this one extra hit, or is Gorimondo gonna pop out and attack? Like which timer's gonna resolve first? And you have less of that kind of decision making when you're using the second blow. That's a self-imposed decision, though. You don't have to make that decision. You just take the hit. <laughs> well, right. Whereas that's not even an option with the second blow. Right. I mean, the with when you're what you're saying basically is that fighting it with stars feels more like a 3D Mario boss battle. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Where, like, yeah, there's. St- Either uh, there's only a single opportunity to attack, which is definitely more of a classic 3D platformer style fight. Whereas when you're playing with sword, as you would expect, it's more like a Devil May Cry sort of boss fight. Yeah, uh, the enemy has to provide you the ammo that you use against them. And also, one of the things is, Golem was getting at was uh, is a consequence of the fact that enemies don't 
by and large, don't take hits ton. So, no matter how much you're wailing on them, they're still going to be moving uh, un- unperturbed. They're still going to be doing their attacks. I mean, the, you'll see like like slight pauses in the, their reactions, but it doesn't stop their attack. Yeah, there actually is on... Uh, at least on the mini-bosses, there is some sort of like threshold damage where you can do... Uh, where you can, like, knock them or interrupt them, basically, but I was never able to get a feel for when that was going to happen. The only move I can ever, I've ever seen that effect is from the charged up hammer. Where you can, like, knock Bonk out of whatever it is he's about to do. Yeah, it's odd. Yeah, but otherwise, uh, the standard bosses, they're... Whatever that threshold is, I haven't I haven't hit it. Like yeah, I've never think... hit Goromondo with a hammer so hard he stops trying to swipe his arms at me. I don't think it applies his... to the normal bosses. Or again, yeah, I, I haven't seen it if it does. But it, for the mini bosses, there's something going on there. Yeah. All right. So I guess what are we all just? What are all of our general thoughts on sword? Like, is it our favorite? Do we prefer others? Oh, I um, love sword. <laughs> you like sword? Yes, I like it a lot. Um, who in here hates sword? I mean, oh. I don't hate sword, but it's definitely <laughs> I like of the normal powers. You know, I I don't like crash too much, but that's not a normal power. Uh, of the normal powers, I would say sword is my least favorite. I would rather have hammer. Really? What what makes hammer? Uh, preferable to sword, even though they're both kind of similar abilities. I don't know if this is just my perception or not, but I think hammer is shorter range, and it does more damage. Um, oh, it definitely, yeah, it definitely does, does more, more damage. damage. So there's a couple things. I mean, for me, because I would say, like, Sword is, is low-wish tier, but I still like it. Like, it's not as bad as Bomb or something. Like, I'll take Sword. Um, I like the more mobile powers better. But I think, like, the the overkill thing with Sword is definitely pretty weird. And I, I'm not in love with that. Um, like, it doesn't feel like the ability is balanced so that you're supposed to be using the single slash all the time because there's a long end lag on that slash. And uh, it it cancels out better if you follow it up with something. But then for the majority of enemies, there's no reason to follow it up. But then um, if you compare it to Hammer, I think that, like, the difference stems from, like, the history of Sword and Hammer um, in the Kirby games. Where, like, Sword has developed into, over the years, has developed into this more, like, combo-based um, attack, where it does have that, that three-slash combo, which it does not have in Adventure, um, where it's just a normal uh, melee attack. But the hammer attack, in general, over the years, has not um, had a three-hit combo or anything like that. It's just the... It's the heavy variant of sword where you just use one hit and get the job done. And so in Forgotten Land, Hammer does have a three hit combo, but 
the three hits are really just a repetition of the same attack, and the end lag on the first hit is not as long, and the um, the jumping attack also uh, has like this automatic cancel if you hold on to it, where Kirby will bounce off of the hammer and sort of flip forward as he lands. Uh, so hammer just feels like it's a more discreet attack ability that is built around like hitting a, a thing once and then moving on, uh, where the three hit combo is something that you only ever really need for bosses. Whereas sword is more of like a judgment call of, do I really need to use the combo here or not? Like it's got this grayer area to it. Yeah, sword. I think definitely is more of a. I, I, that's why I called sword more versatile, because it has different things for that calls for different uh, situations. While hammer, I think, can just uh, brute force through anything. It's not really anything too um, uh, varied. It's just a hammer bonk, and that's it. Yeah, and it has a very strong attack too. I definitely prefer hammer. Um... And, and that's, to me, that's like the only reason that I would say Sword is kind of low tier is because if ever given the choice, uh, which again is you always have the choice because you can take any of the abilities whenever you want to, I'm always going to go with Hammer over Sword. Shouty. It's weird. You mm-hmm. paint a picture of Sword being um, kind of uh, like less varied than sword and i guess it is but it's not like so completely one note where um the jumping attack performs multiple hits and you can land and uh, with the jumping attack and it performs another hit yet again when it hits the ground there's a charge attack um the counter i mean every weapon has a counter move um yeah, so never mind about the counter. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I think I made my point. The, the hammer counter is really powerful because you get, um, like, a full charge out of it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I, yeah. I never used any of the counter moves. Yeah, so for... Especially if you use some of the higher level, when the where the hammer lights on fire, if you do the counter hammer, it goes straight to it. Uh, that's pretty. That actually sounds pretty useful. Yes, it's very. Yeah, I find that I guess in general the, the using the counter really just makes playing defensively in this game kind of broken. Like something you'd you'd rather you should do instead of like. Being a well, that's you know, that's not true. The, you'd you'd want to be aggressive for time trials in the in the arena, when you, especially when you power up your weapons. But before then, I think playing defensively is better. And that's something that you only get really with the short range weapons. Whereas, like theoretically, you could play defensively with tornado, but it doesn't really make sense with the way that power works. Oh. Yeah, that power is. Uh, charge up, ran into him, try to get it, it bouncing just right in a corner so you can ping-pong back and forth between them and the wall to for maximum damage. Yeah, you, know, you gotta get all your angles right. Yeah. Uh, one, um, 
you might not expect it, but I actually liked playing defensively with Ranger on Gorimondo in specific, where um, Gorimondo has that boulder throwing attack. And normally, if you counter off of that, it's like pointless because Gorimondo's halfway across the arena. But uh, I Ranger, you can use that bullet time counter with Ranger to get off a counterattack on Gorimondo. Mm-hmm. Isn't that oh, one cool. of the other ones where he shoots either a charged one or he just shoots like a vo- quick volley of three? I think it's a quick volley of three, but that might change depending on the evolution. Yeah, I think the it's one of the other evolutions where it's like in a somewhat charged state. Right. Just gonna say something. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I guess. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that going back to hammer. Um, his yeah, deciding whether or not I prefer sword or hammer. Um, historically, hammer has been my favorite. Just because it's so powerful, and in the 2D games, it's essentially a, a an ability that you use for higher level of play. It's actually it has a kind of like playing defensively in um, Forgotten Land, in which you abuse the um, invincible frames of ha- of both of some of Hammer's moves. Um, in in the modern 2D games, uh, Kirby can do like a downward hammer spin that gives Kirby iframes, and you can abuse that. To avoid damage. So in that sense, Hammer is kind of like a glimpse of what Forgotten Land is going to be in terms of playing defensively. So Hammer pioneered the Invincible Dodge. Yeah, like before it was even in uh, Triple Deluxe. But yeah, I think because Hammer was considered this like kind of rareish ability. Um, because he'd only got it from a mini boss. In Forgotten Land, it's been kind of presented uh, among the others in terms of rarity. Like, it's pretty common among the rest, especially because now it has its own regular uh, enemy to get it from. Oh, yeah, that monkey hammer guy. That's. I forgot. That's a new guy. Yeah. Hammer monkey. The new. Um, it's a new Beast Pack guy. Yeah, because he actually fights but, the Beast Pack theme. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I'm not really sure if Hammer fits that niche, that niche when everyone else can play defensively and use counters. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, more broadly, that speaks to just how well-rounded every ability is in Forgotten Land, that it's harder to peg one in any specific role. And what distinguishes them is in more nuanced shades of uh, how many frames each animation takes. It's not that nuanced. Yeah, so I think because of that, Sword has kind of gained more favor to me, especially with its evolutions. Like I really like Morpho Sword. It's probably my favorite ability not just because it heals you after from doing regular attacks, but I just really like the the dodging, and I like the um, the guard move where you can summon summon apparitions of Fecta Forgo. Yeah. So it's. My, I still think my favorite thing is the fact that your charge is actually to to turn the sword into a super sword. Oh yeah, that's really cool too. So it's like having regular sword and gigant sword in one. 
Yeah, that that feels like a really uh, Monster Hunter thing. That's like the switch axe in Monster Hunter, where oh, you have to. <laughs> there is a little bit of that in it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, it's it's kind of hard to like hammer for the same reason I used to. So I guess I don't really care about hammer anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, it also doesn't help that when I was trying to do the masked hammer um, trial, uh, I didn't really do a good job on it. It was really hard to get the target time for me until I figured out you can just spam the, um, the spinning bounce mm-hmm. consecutively and basically get everything. And that's that kind of just makes it boring, though. So it's like whatever. Hmm. Like, but that said, I probably wouldn't actually. You know, Morpho Sword isn't that isn't my much favorite, but I think I'm gaining favor. Other abilities are gaining favor with me, like the needle ability and uh, even trying to figure out how to make uh, some of the bomb evolutions good. So maybe <laughs> there are luck. some dark horses in, uh, for me among the ability roster. So yeah. It's just weird to see everyone so viable now. Yeah, well, I mean, this is definitely, like, the whole, both the evolution system and the, like, maintaining all the tools that are in place so that you can maintain a copy ability uh, definitely have changed the idea of copy ability even further from the idea of a power-up into the idea of just a character select. Right. I think I like it that way. That's cool. All right, well, thank you all for joining me. Thanks for having us. Really Thanks for hosting. Really great talking about Kirby again. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Later. All right. Bye-bye. Later.